they are the fabulous learning nerds. Cause if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're gonna keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh yeah! And we're back for another fantastic, fantastic episode of your Fabulous Learning Nerds. I'm your host, Scott Schutte. And with me, as always, you love him. He's got to hear him. It's Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. How you doing, Dan? I'm fair to Midland. I, I feel like this is getting out of hand. A, a harem? No, 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 no. A no, harem? No, no. A, a harem? No. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely not. No. No? No. <laughs> Fan club. Fan club's okay. I don't I don't know. Oh but yeah, no, harem. No, no, no. <laughs> no on the harem, but okay yeah. on the fan club. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, if you would like to design the uh, Dan Coonrod uh, harem oh, slash no. fan club t shirt, you could email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. Uh, we are light on the emails, Dan. Oh, come on, people. Like light as in none. That like hurts. we have none that email. It, it, well, no, it just is what it is. We're new. So, you know, anything we can do to entice people, I think that having fun in that way is great. But you want to know what's awesome? I do. What's awesome? You know what's awesome is we have a special guest with us today. Again, like two weeks so in a row. Excited. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I, I totally love it. And I think our, uh, uh, our audience is going to love our, our uh, special guest today, um, a former colleague of myself and just all-around badass uh, learning nerd. Uh, everybody, please welcome Abby Dawson. Hi, everybody. Thanks for that glowing introduction. Thanks for coming, Abby, on uh, late notice. Uh, we really, truly appreciate 100%. it. And uh, just like we, we – yeah, or yeah – by the way, when did that become a thing? When did 100% become a thing, Dan? Oh, I have no idea. Like, put me on the spot. I don't know. It's it's a thing. Hey, Abby, when, when did it become a... You know what I'm saying? It, it wasn't it wasn't too long ago, maybe even last year, when we were saying, yeah, you're right, mm-hmm, groovy, cool, or whatever. And now it's 100 or more percent is the greeting that we will give to when I agree with you. So, I mean, it's very encouraging. I guess that's good about it. It is encouraging, but it's just something I notice. I notice silly things like that. <laughs> but, you know, that's silly. What, what our audience really wants to know, though, Abby, is all about you and what's your deal? Hey, man. What's your deal? All right, uh, Abby, go ahead in uh, 10 minutes or less, if you could, ma'am, give us a little, you know, what's your deal? So um, I guess my deal is I love creating resources and trainings for sales teams. And um, that just comes from my background. I started um, my real professional working career working in restaurants. So that was like a really good introduction to working directly with people finding out who people were when they felt like they had you kind of under their thumb, Um, but also really learning how to work really hard. And then from there, I moved into working in sales for a mobility carrier. And um, 
it's incredible how much you can learn um, and how quickly you can learn what people are capable of, who's willing to help you, who's willing not to help you, and um, how valuable your resources are. Um, when you're in a position where you're working with tech, you're working with customers face-to-face, um, and there's um, a lot of money on the line. So that was a great education to come, in, to come into. Um, from there, I moved into um, creating training, communications, um, sales enablement resources for another mobility carrier. And um, it was my first inroad into working with corporate. And it was incredible to see how many people had never worked in the front line, but were there to create resources for them, um, help guide them, and um, met some really incredible people. There are some people who are really passionate about helping sellers, um, helping people grow as sellers and succeed. And then there are people who are just very disconnected from it. And what I found was I really wanted to be one of those people who helped. So, um, yeah. And that's kind of how eventually I came to meet Scott. I was stayed in that corporate role. I moved from training kind of into a marketing role, um, but found that I really didn't lose my passion for trying to create sales resources, even marketing. So, yeah, no, um, and you're a rock star, and, and we love you, and that's great, and um, I was super stoked. You're like, oh, my God, I love your podcast. I want to be on, and I'm like, how about tonight? And you're like, cool. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. Most people would be like, uh, no. <laughs> and that, that's really dumb. Uh, that's but, really dumb. Oh, my God. Like, you're, 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 you're a hero. You're a real trooper. I'm keeping that in. Well, you're you're a trooper, and 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 we appreciate it. I, I'm I'm super excited about what we're going to talk about uh, tonight. But uh, thanks so much uh, for joining. So the, happy uh, to be here. The Human Fan Club and my and myself. So that that's awesome, um, Abby. Uh, we're going to go ahead, and uh, I don't have a good transition. So let's just go ahead, and we'll move into the topic of the week. How about that? All right, Abby, you came to me and you said, I want to talk about what, what What do you want to talk about again? Sales enablement and training. Sales enablement and sales training. I think that's really cool because I got to be honest, like, okay, so this is, I, I help uh, manage, actually, if I think about my entire career, I, I don't, I, never, I haven't had time to play in the, uh, in the space that gets all the love. Like your leadership development space, your HRD space in training, those people, they get all the love. They're the ones that they create award shows around. And I'm not saying what you're doing is not good. It's important. It's good. It's very, um, I don't have any other word, Dan. It's very sexy in our in, in learning development. It, it really is. It's like, oh. We have this leadership program. It's just awesome. Check it out, right? And so it's really sexy. So what happens is like when your boss goes, could you uh, apply for a uh, training uh, uh, award so we can win some hardware and talk about how good our stuff is? Sure, not a problem. We'll go out and we'll do it. And you go look for uh, recognition in the sales training space and it's like, 
like it's almost non-existent. I haven't found a lot of it. That doesn't mean it's not there. By the way, if you um, uh, support that and run awards for sales training, please uh, email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. I would love an email like that. But Dan, did you find, and Abby as well, have you found that to be, it's kind of like the redheaded stepchild of, of learning. And I don't know necessarily why it is, but, but it kind of feels that way to me at any rate. Yeah, I've always been surprised. And I'll tell you, when I realized I was coming on um, to talk this afternoon, um, I was so excited because I was like, I don't think people really get what a big deal it is to work in sales training. I mean, you're one degree separated from the customer. How many other corporate roles are out there where there is one degree of separation? Those people have a huge impact on what gets put in front of a customer and how. And um, I, I think it is underappreciated in, in a really significant way. I, yeah, no, I 100% agree. Uh, so I just this past year, I came into uh, a, a sales uh, instructional design role. And man, like the things that worked in all my other roles and all the other content that I built in all the other places, they just don't work in the sales world. And changing your mindset and changing your, your framing is, is difficult. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So, um, Abby, why don't you go ahead and, um, you brought some notes, which is good. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, talk a little bit, a, a little bit more about your passion around sales training and how you think about it. Um, I think it really starts with how hard sales is. Um, I've worked in a couple different sales groups. I've sold several different products and services. I've never found it gets easier. Um, it's not easier to sell cheap stuff. It's not easier to sell expensive stuff. Um, the real challenge is, do you have the tools that you need? And do you know how to complete the job? Um, and anything I can do to make that easier for somebody, it really brings me joy. Um, I think that that appreciation for how hard their job is, um, if you don't have that, I don't think you should be in sales training. <laughs> I think that um, maybe there's something that's a better fit. Maybe you should be planning those uh, corporate award ceremonies <laughs> with lots of lights and bells and whistles, but maybe not sales training. <laughs> so you mentioned that it's hard. Talk to me a little bit about that. What, what makes sales training harder than, say, other types of training? As a seller, you're going to be face-to-face -face or maybe over the phone with a customer, but you're having very um, intimate, in-person interaction with somebody. You're asking them to part with some of their money, and they're, in a lot of ways, putting all their faith in you, that you are being forthright, that you're knowledgeable, that you are going to give them something that they're excited to have. I mean, if, you, if you're selling a product that doesn't need a salesperson, that's amazing. But most companies need sellers in some way, shape, or form, and they depend on those salespeople doing a great job under pressure over and over and over again. Um, and that, that's a tough ask. Dan, you, you um, recently waltzed into the sales uh, training, sales enablement uh, world. Um, how do you feel about the challenges that, that you might face and, and either piggyback off or, or add value to what uh, Abby just had, was talking no, about? No, it's, like I said, it's coming from a completely different place. 
for years, my focus has been in like new hire and new hire training and like onboarding people into new roles and stepping into this, this sales sphere, especially to a company that's like getting their sales feet, so to speak, underneath them. And uh, a, a group of people who maybe don't want to sell uh, has been probably the biggest challenge of my career and figuring out how do I do this and how do I still keep it human? Uh, I think that's a huge, huge thing. I've only ever had one sales job ever in my entire life. And uh, I was selling pictures, like family portraits that you see guys like in malls and stuff at those little kiosks. That, that was me. I was selling those and like hitchhiking and bumming around the country to do it. And so like the idea of doing sales, that was my experience. So I was like, oh, I'll never do sales. I'll never do sales. And when, when my leaders came to me and said, hey, we really think you'd be the right fit. We really kind of need what you've done in this space and we need you to bring it over here. I was like, oh, are you sure? Like, really? Like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. But, wow, okay. So, so Dan, I have a quick question Shoot. for you. Did you keep the tiger backdrop from your photography sales experience? <laughs> I... I grew up and my mother did a lot of photography. So I've been in that world for a while. So there are so many pictures of me out there and uh, I never share them and they are best left forgotten. <laughs> did you keep the tiger backdrop? That's, that's all I, you know, really, I think, and then can I, I follow think, it? As, as I think follow I artfully it. dodged that question about as well as I could. So no, <laughs> Okay. Oh, 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 I get it. Oh, I get it. I get it now. You you can neither confirm nor deny that you kept the tiger backdrop. Okay, great. We'll talk after the show. That's not a problem. Uh, I, I I would have to agree with you like, that we. I think it's one of the reasons why there's not a lot of recognition for the role because it is kind of it, it is kind of difficult. And I think, I you know, there's very few pro- professional salespeople out there that we one can really point to as, you know, I really love selling. Like you've got your car sales people, right? And then you've got uh oh my goodness, real estate professionals, right? Those people are really into what they're doing. Um maybe even furniture sales. But a lot of sales opportunities I've had in my career in, in supporting those people and so that they need so they get what they need to be successful are what what I would classify as the reluctant salespeople. They're, they're, they took a job, they thought it would be fun, and then, oh, by the way, you're going to need to sell stuff. Wait, what? Right? <laughs> um, and that's real challenging, right? So how do we take – how do you take the um, – oh, goodness. I mean, it's easy to train on stuff that's exciting. Um, it's not so easy to train on stuff that maybe I may not – be all that interested in. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in it, but I'm not. And, and especially in a world that's mostly not commission, right? So a lot of, at least our audience, there, there's not a lot of commission involved in it. That that changed decades ago. Uh, that makes it all that more challenging. Abby, thoughts? Yeah. I, all too often I've heard over the years um, when we're putting sales trainings together for people from from the corporate side, they have to do it. It's their job. Like they need to take the training or they need to start doing what we're telling them to do. And I've, I've never felt like that was a good enough reason. If that's all you have to fall back on is they need to do it because it's their job. You must have a really 
fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be in sales. You know, Dan, what's your thought? So like I've been I've been pretty fortunate. The audience that we're that we're building material for, like a lot of them are getting additional support when they make sales, payments, etc. And so it, that's not been like something we've had to wrestle with. Um, it for us like the big challenge is like even with that additional support, so many times like the folks we talk to are like, oh, but I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. Like, ugh. And so trying to like wrestle around with how do I convince somebody to do something, even if we're going to pay them extra and they still don't want to. Like, how do I how do I help them see the value? How do I help them connect this with like what they're doing and and build something that they can use to go forward? Like, that's been that's been my big like head scratcher. Like, like we're going to give you extra money. We're going to. We're gonna give you extra stuff. Why? Why don't you want to do it? And then having to like mm-hmm. talk to those people, wrestle through that, connect with those those people who, like Abby, like you said, who are like, you know, they're they're talking to the customer. They're one step removed. You know, like we're one step removed. They're talking to the customer. Like, how do I how do I get them excited about it? Right. And yeah, can I Go skip ahead, around? Abby. Can I skip around, Scott, to, to one I was going to talk about later, <laughs> but fits now? I, sure, sure. I was I was going to segue into, hey, you've got this thing, right? So you've got this job, and uh, you get to make training materials to help people sell. Um, what are some What are some ways that you can be successful in doing that? Does that Does that transition work for you? That works. Yeah. Okay. Great. Cool. Otherwise, I have to make up another one. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think the tools are important. A lot of it is your strategy behind when and how you use those tools. Um, Because your ultimate goal, to your point, Dan, is to build some trust with these sellers so that when you bring them something, it makes sense to them. It's a value to them. um, And you, you can't just think about it as nuts and bolts. It's a strategy and an equation of... What kind of material do I bring? Why do I bring it to them? When and in what format? Um, which I think is why you see all of this um, growth in the kinds of tech we bring um, learning materials in. This is why so many people are excited about things like um, AI and and these different kinds of immersive courses, courses that can be taken at different times, different ways, because we're just trying to find a way to build that trust with these people trying to meet them where they are um, because the end goal really is for them to want to listen that's the that's one of the biggest challenges you'll face is you you can put it in a thousand ways you can say it a hundred thousand times um, you can pay them but you have to want them to care hundred uh, percent I, I couldn't agree more I as we've created content last year and into this year like the biggest thing for us is like how do we make human content like it's so easy for people to hear the word sales and think of sales and just start thinking in dollar signs and digits metrics numbers dollar signs and as soon as you boil it down to just that like people's natural reaction is to just kind of like go and like scream away from it (laughs) and that should be anybody's reaction so I mean, I'm I'm 
a humanist at heart. So everything boils down to how do we connect with other humans, but especially in sales, like this has to be a human focused training has to be a human focused experience because people don't trust machines. People trust people. People trust some people. That's true. That's true. Very true. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) All right. Well, I I think all that's fair. For me, one of the things that I think about when I think about sales training in in general is how do we make the complicated simple? Um, Because I think that one of the things that I've learned in sales training and and I learned or I thought I'd learned in sales is that – if I don't make it, if I don't make it as simple as possible, um, there's a human tendency to not stop. Does that make sense? So, like, um, we're gonna get to yes, and then when I get the yes, I'm gonna keep selling, right? You know, like when I get yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep selling. Oh, this and oh that and oh this. And for me, one of the things that's been helpful is this idea of, hey, listen, I'm gonna, I need to, I need to somehow translate. And you guys can disagree with me if you want to, but I need to somehow translate the um, what good looks like into something that's tangible and relevant, so that I feel better about it. Because I think that um, you know those people that perform poorly, the reluctant salespeople that are performing poorly out there. One, well, one, they're not getting coached or or supported in where they're at. They're just a can you fog a mirror? <sighs> yeah, I can. Okay, great. Go go sell this right, and uh, we'll wait till we get somebody else right. Um, but, but then so many other people just, uh, they really, really struggle only in so far as either a, I, I don't understand the product knowledge to be successful or B, um, it, this is just a really uncomfortable thing because I, I don't know what good looks like. So thoughts on that. You know, you, you bring up what good looks like and what good sounds like. And as people are trying to find like what good looks like and what good sounds like sales is such it's one of those places, like I talked about, it was like really tough for me to figure out, like wrap my head around it. And so many times what good looks like and sounds like for different people is different for different for different people in the way they sell. And a lot of times, like I can teach you how to troubleshoot. I can teach you how to like go through a process step by step by step. And as long as you're following the process, and you're looking for the end goal, you're going to get it. Like, do this, do that, do this, do this. Boom, solution. But sales isn't that way. Because I can say, okay, cool, say this, say that, say this, do this, do this, say that. You'll get a sale. Because I get a sale. But you won't get a sale. Because I said it differently. Maybe I inflect my words a little bit differently. Maybe I dramatically pause in different places. Maybe what works for me, in fact, not maybe, what works for me is not always going to work for somebody else. There are some rules and some tips and some tricks and some things that you can impart on people to help them. But like, I mean, the real secret is, is going out and failing a whole bunch and then telling people to be okay with that. Abby. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think giving your sales reps some credit and, and teaching them the why behind you do the steps so that they can personalize it and build it and make it their own. If you don't understand why you're positioning something in a certain way or why you're asking the questions you're asking, you're not going to be successful. That's going to lead to frustration. It's going to lead to distrust of the process. You're not going to want to be engaged with any other trainings further down the road because they haven't worked for you in the past. So um, I think you really have to um, give people a chance 
to try to grow in their role. Um, and you do that by really educating them instead of like force feeding them. Yeah, that's a really good point. And one of the things that you brought up in, in our pre-show discussion was this whole idea of um, product knowledge, right? And, and where that, where, you know, wh- who's got the onus around the product knowledge. And one of the things that I'm really interested in is, is to hear you talk a little bit about that and also to be talking a little bit about, you know, do you have to know everything, so how do you feel about that, that the, the onus and responsibility around product knowledge and transfer and, and, and the ID role in all of that? I, I kind of have some radical ideas about that. Radical is what I've been told by people I've positioned to, but I created a sales training a few years ago um, and I went to my sales team and I said, look, I know that historically our agenda has been teach them everything, but it doesn't work. So my philosophy is teach them how to use their resources so that when they need to know it, they can go educate themselves because there's no way they're going to retain product knowledge on everything we sell from one training session the first three weeks they worked for us. It's just not going to work. Um, So it goes back to, again, like creating a structure where they can learn how to be successful, learn how to help themselves, have build some trust in their resources, um, and give them give them some credit that they that they're capable of doing this themselves. Teaching them to fish. Exactly. I love that. So, you know, from do you need to be an expert in order to do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think you need it. If you're not the expert, you better know some experts, um, because the strategy of of stitching pieces together so that somebody can find them later, of, of laying out the breadcrumbs, is tough. It is really hard. You better have a really good understanding of how people think and solve problems in order to expect them to be able to do it and to teach them how to do you it. You know, uh, Scott, I think I've made mention of this to you before, but the scariest part for me of instructional design isn't figuring out everything to put in, but it's being brave enough to not put stuff in and figuring out what not to include. And to Abby, to your point, yeah, you, you have to know, you have to know the material inside and out because you have to be in a place where you're going to be like, you know what, I'm going to teach you this. I'm going to teach you that. And the connective tissue in between you'll pick up, you'll be able to go get. Yeah. I, 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 I struggle with that a little bit. And I'll I'll give you my I'll give you my reasonings behind that, but because I I feel that if you're really good in instructional design and understand you know how to put stuff together and trust us, folks, we'll get into those topics where we're going to talk about how you do that because I think that there are some folks that that um, are doing the best they can, but probably could use some help, right? Man, you do this for a long time, like. I don't. I don't necessarily need to know everything about your widget and what it does, right? So if if my marketing partner can come to me, or my sales partner, or business partner can come to me and say, "Here's my widget, right? I need you to help me sell it." Okay, great. Well, what's what are the three most important things that it does? What are some things that we could talk about? Why should people care? 
that's probably the most important thing. Like, why should people care about it? We should be able to tra- – I feel like you should be able to translate that without being just this super uber nerd like us uh, and, and really be able to just tear that widget apart and put it back together. Um, that being said, I mean, nothing beats product knowledge. But quite frankly, what I've seen over and over and over again is the opposite to that, where people are so into the product. I mean, how many times have we seen field trainers who are so knowledgeable in the program just go right down the rabbit hole answering all the questions about it and the audience checks out? Like they're completely checked out, like, you know, save for the one poor fool who asked that question 20 minutes ago and got the lecture about the answer, right? S- um, that and that doesn't happen with a facilitator or a or a or a, you know an ID person that's just not some Uber nerd around the widget and how to sell it. So, thoughts on? I'm going to jump in because I think what you've just described is a bad facilitator, not somebody suffering from knowing too much product. And having been a bad facilitator, and right. and being knowledgeable and wanting to like show off my knowledge to build trust. Like I know where that mistake comes from, but that's still, that's a bad facilitator. It goes back to trust. Uh, Abby, you brought it up. And I think having that knowledge and being able to build courses that when somebody looks at through the lens of experience, it goes, yeah, that checks out. Like that helps build trust. So the next time you push out a course and they see that course, they know that good knowledge is coming from those courses, which means they're going to buy into the next one. And then they're going to buy into the next one. But as soon as they can like find the fault or f- see the point where it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's just super generic, they're going to check out. And then a checked out learner is a learner. Oh, right. no, they're your enemy. And, and Scott, to your point about like, just tell me the core things that matter. That's the stuff you put in the training. And then all of those product details that you think are going to cost somebody to check out, you put in those other resources that you allow them to access when they're ready. Because... That's that's how you get someone passionate and engaged about what they're selling without completely overwhelming them with this knowledge dump. Yeah. There's no way they're going to retain anyway. Yeah, that whole just-in-time learning component, and that's where sales enablement comes in, right? So can we create tools that are designed to be used with the customer that um, you know really make me sound like an expert and build trust with my customer? I mean, that's the sweet spot, right? So... Finding ways to whether it's a uh, oh my goodness a register mat that's got a couple things that I can point to or or um, you know the tried and two brochure like here's a brochure and you know don't you don't need to memorize everything in the brochure that's the brochure's job like the the brochure is there to to help you it it, it is supposed to support that uh, that engagement and if you're okay with saying well gee I don't know let's take a look at the brochure you and your customer have an opportunity to learn together and those are awesome opportunities right um, and I've never had an opportunity where I've learned with my customer where I didn't close that sale I, I will say it takes, I think it takes a special salesperson to be able to look at somebody like, hey, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. Let's pull it up and let's look at this, this brochure or this tool or let me do some research and let me get you that answer. Because I feel and I fear that most customers at that point, because, you know, we only get them for just a minute, are going to be like, oh, okay, no, that's cool. That's fine. That's fine. I've, I've, I've got to go do something else. I don't want them to do a data dump. I don't think anybody wants them to just be like, let me tell you all the facts as fast as I can before you go. And I feel I 
feel that a lot of that data dump happens not because we've told them too much or given them too much, but because all they know is in this box and they see the sale slipping away and they're just throwing things at the customer, like which one of these will stick. And But a truly knowledgeable product person is going to hear what the customer says and be like, ooh, I know what you need. You don't need any of this. You need to hear this. And you can't get that from without a deep product knowledge. Abby, how do you feel about that? I think it comes down to really knowing your sales reps, what they're capable of, and when you're asking too much too. And being able to communicate that back to your your internal sales teams and, and being an advocate as a trainer and saying, let me let me tell you what my concerns are and where I think our limitations are. I think that this is not something that's going to be solved with training because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and maybe we need to approach it differently. Um, maybe we need to have some sales reps who are super knowledgeable, who we transfer these detail calls to, or maybe, maybe this product, the way it's set up doesn't make sense and we need to rethink it. And it's never going to be solved by training. We, that it's too much of an ask for a sales rep to know all these details or get them fast enough to a customer to satisfy that short sale. Um, I, th- I think you have to be a good advocate for your sales team and for what you really are capable of doing. Sometimes we just take on too much. Yeah, no, I think that that's right. So the, the big, you know, $20,000 question is, so, so how do I get there, right? So I'm a new salesperson. So um, I'm, I'm going to be taking Abby's fabulous sales training. Uh, it's going to have all the right information in it. And when I'm done, we, you know, with the allotted time or whatever, am I an expert now? Probably not, right? So how do we, you know, what's the secret sauce? How do we, how do we grow that, that awesome salesperson? What are some things that you would recommend um, Abby as part of, part of that experience? Because I think that all too often we, we, we design, we ship, we pray, and then we just you know, come back later and see what's going on. And I think there's this in-between step, and hopefully Abby's picking up on, on what I'm talking about. She's going to explain it for everybody right now. Go ahead, Abby. I, I hope so. But um, I think you just have to have realistic expectations of what your sales training can accomplish. And you start that with understanding who you're hiring, what their background is, and what you're asking them to do. Um, and then you can try and meet those needs. So am I creating sales resources for somebody who's been through um, extensive training on how to sell? Um, that they've been through weeks um, of selling philosophy courses, they understand strategy, they've sold before? Or am I trying to train some uh, somebody who's 18 years old who sells phones on the weekend? Um, you know, how vested are they in this training process? How much time am I, am I going to get with them? And where are they starting from? And then balancing that against what is my, what is my you know, corporate sales team asking me to teach them? Um, and, and how much time do I have to do it? Um, it? It's always a balancing act. And if what you think you can do in the time given based on where the person is starting from doesn't seem realistic, you've You've got to be able to communicate that back, um, set clear expectations about what you think you're capable of doing, 
and offer, you know, some kind of a plan. If, if you really need me to have this person be knowledgeable to, to this degree on a product, and I think I can only get them 50% there, let's talk about a training program over the course of the next six to eight weeks where I feel like I can get them there. And is it okay to take that time? Um, it's a lot of communication, um, a, a lot of educating yourself and um, really working with a team. Um, so that same kind of trust that you're going to build with those sales reps, you've got to have that same trust building development with your counterparts at corporate. Dan. No, I, back to the 100%. No, I 100% agree. Uh, shot in the dark approach to like learning and learning strategy and sales and sales strategy, that's not going to help anyone do anything. I think, Abby, I think you're 100% right. Like you have to know your audience. You have to know your salespeople, what they're capable of. And if you if you can't bring in the people who are at the level you need, how do you get the people you have to get to where you need them? Yeah, I agree. I'm going to add on, I'm going to add on a little frosting on top uh, and some percentage points, right? So it's 127%, right? For me, it's all skill practice role play, right? So you have your session, you train product knowledge, um, you walk away and you think that people are going to be ready. Um, you're, I don't care how good you are. You always learn something from good skill practice. So I think those people, those coaches and leaders in, in position post learning events are the ones that take advantage of, of skill practice. And I know Dan, as you, as you and I take a look at ILT or instructor led training that your team builds, where you're given massive amounts of time, you lucky son of a, you know what, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's great where the skill practice becomes the, the thing, right? That is the thing, that safe environment. We're going to make mistakes where we're going to go ahead and, and have discussions where we're going to go ahead and learn from each other and continue a, a continuous, um, oh, uh, environment of constant never-ending improvement, a Kanai environment where we're always going to get better and better and better. I think... I, I just think that that is so, so, so important and, and such an integral part of, of what we do uh, within a, a, sale, a sales training environment. And again, those leaders that, that understand the value of practice and, and good practice, right? It, not fluffy dog practice. Like, let's make it hard. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to always be the nice customer in my, in my skill practice. I'm, I'm going to be that nasty, nasty customer. Um, cause those people are probably more than likely going to be the ones in your store too. Anyway, that's, that's the, uh, that's the frosting that I would add on to that. So, um, Abby, any other last thoughts that, that you didn't get a chance to talk about because I talked too much that you want to make sure you're, uh, you're conveying to our fabulous audience? <laughs> no, I would, I would just say, um, there's always this tendency for um, when when the S hits the fan that I've seen is is to say we just need more training, um, and I would advise people to be really good advocates for their sales reps and their training teams to always be suspicious of that quick ask for more training because it's it's the fastest way to erode the trust you have with your sales reps. So always know, be willing to say. 
this is not a problem training can solve. Even though like that's what you do, that's your job. You always want to rush in and 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 be the hero. But um, when it's not right, have the courage to say this is. I just don't think it's the right move, and it's really tough. But um, once you lose that trust with your sales teams and with your your corporate partners, I mean, it can go a long way when you say, I am doing us all a favor by telling you no. If Once you have that trust, it'll help. And then you can really solve the problem instead of, um, you know, chasing your tail, trying to throw more and more training, more and more job aids, more and more role plays at people when that's not ever going to be the, the solution. So only make good training. <laughs> Dan, I was just thinking, I wish Abby had been on our do it all ID episode. Uh, yeah. There's so many times where people flail and they're like, fix it, fix it, fix it. And uh, so many times learning and development rides in on the white horse and is like, I got this. Don't worry about it. I got some plans and we'll pull together something. We'll cobble together something. And so many times on those asks, we're so far outside of our scope. But this idea of like, I got to solve it. I got to solve it. I got to solve it. Makes us all the time jump up. And then people come to us and like, solve it, fix it. Training, training it, train it away. But yeah, there's so much, so much that's just not something that should be training. And Abby, you call it out exactly. It erodes trust. If everybody sees a new training every week and they're just like, what's the point? This is going to be just like the training last week. I'm not going to learn anything. It's just wasting my time. Yeah, no. Solid, solid answer, Abby. Yeah, I think that's a solid answer, but it does go reinforce what I was speaking about just a minute ago, which is practice. Vince Lombardi, you guys know Vince Lombardi, yep. right? Okay, what was Vince Lombardi? The Green Bay Packers were known for one play. Does anybody know what that is? No, not here. I'll help you out. The power sweep. Okay, Vince Lombardi practiced the power sweep. They mastered the power sweep. If you don't know what a power sweep is, just roll with it, okay? It's a football move where everybody goes one way or the other way and runs all over everybody, and then they score touchdowns, right? They practiced that until they couldn't stand it anymore. They could do that move in their sleep. And it wasn't a matter of this week we're going to do this trick play and this week we're going to do that trick play. No, they became masters of what they did. And that's why, once one of the reasons why, that they were so good at what they're doing. And so I love what you're saying, Abby, around like, uh-oh, things aren't where they're at. I guess we need another training. Um, I think it's good. I think it takes um, I think it takes chutzpah. And, and strong leadership to stand up and say, I'm going to stand behind what I've got. Let's take a look at some of the millions of other reasons why we're not performing. And some of it really is practice and um, setting expectations and managing to those expectations, right? Because, and, and listen, I'm all for job security, right? I love job security. Like I'll make a new sales training every week. Uh, and I'm not against uh, having someone tell me my baby is ugly. Okay, this, this baby is ugly. It's not hitting what, what needs to be hit. Um, let's go spend some time out in, in let's go spend time close to our customers and see what's going on. Let's identify what the real opportunity is. And then let's go ahead and we'll hit it again. So um, yeah, that, 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 that's my two cents and, and a little football knowledge there. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. And um, if you have any comments about sales training and how wrong I am, please uh, email me at, uh, or email us at learning nerds cast or, 
Yeah, learningnerdscast at gmail.com. We'll be happy to read your email uh, and uh, further the discussion. Um, Abby, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. I had so much fun. Thanks, Abby. Oh, oh, we're not done with you. We're not done with you. You got you to gotta <laughs> stick around because it's time, everybody, uh, for our Leadership Minute. Time for Coach Shooty's Leadership Minute. Okay, how funny sometimes our Leadership Minutes uh, match what we're talking about, but today's Leadership Minute is all about taking ownership. Taking ownership. One of the things that I found is that um, it's it's really important to, to take a step back and look in the mirror and uh, take ownership for things that um, aren't always going the way that it needs to, and then actually going out and fixing it. Our egos are pretty strong things. You know, we, they want us to feel good all the time, but that's not where the real growth is. And um, I'm going to encourage you to, in the moment where um, things may be looking like, oh, gee, you know, maybe you screwed up here, maybe things aren't where they're at, or maybe we need another sales training, Abby, that you take ownership in and say, yep, I'm going to accept my part, and we're going to move forward because, quite frankly your leaders and those people you serve will appreciate you for it. That's um, the uh, Leadership Minute for this week. Boom! Like, right <laughs> on target. Like, actually, I, I think you earned back three seconds that you extra that you burned last week. So, I mean, like, boom, boom. Right? <laughs> okay, all right. We're gonna get, we're, I'm going to throw a ticker on the bottom of that. I could talk, like, all night about ownership. I'm a huge ownership guy. Um, it quite frankly, it, uh, one thing I'll tag on three seconds, ready, one, two, three, it will change your career period. So with that, um, Dan, why don't we, uh, talk to our audience real quick? Uh, how can, uh, how can they yeah, connect absolutely. with us? Guys, you can reach us via email at learning at gmail.com. Email us any questions you have. Ask if you want to be a guest. Come on on. Tell Scott how wrong he is about sales, whatever you guys got. Hit us up. Also, you can find us on Facebook at Learning Nerds. Like us. Participate in the conversations we've got going on there. Last but not least, if you're on Instagram, you can find us Fab Learning Nerds. Share whatever groovy stuff you've got, cool pictures, stuff like that. We love it all. We want to see it. Thank you, Dan. Um, Abby. Thanks so much for being with us last minute. We really appreciate it. I love all the wisdom you're bringing. Um, and hopefully you can uh, join us again sometime. Would that be good? I'd love Fantastic. it. Fantastic. All right. Hey, everybody. That's going to be about it tonight. Uh, make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button. If you like what's going on, bring your friends. Share this podcast. If you're on Google or, at, or Apple Podcasts, be sure to write us a review. If it's a good enough review, we'll read it. If it's a crappy review, we'll read it. Until that time, my name's Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Out.